0: Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the King's House Podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in Macauster, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not just something you go to, but it's a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until family is there, then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. What?
1: Good morning, King's house. How we doing? Who's excited to be at church this morning? So great to have you guys here. So honored and blessed. I hope you guys had an amazing spring break. And uh, man, we got a lot of people traveling today. A lot of people watching online. Good morning to all you guys. So great to have you. Uh, today we are launching into part two of this series called "I Can't Help Falling in Love." And um, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but patience is not one of my strong suits. Can anyone identify with this in their lives today? Be honest. I mean, patience is just, it's not one of my strong suits. Man, I'm a very driven person. I can be a very goal-oriented person. It can make me miserable to be around at times and to work with and talk to my wife. Difficult to live with at times. But certain things in life really trip my trigger. If I really want to lose my Jesus in a hurry, there's a surefire solution to do that. All I got to do is go to Walmart for about 10 minutes. Are you with me? Not the store's fault, the store's wonderful, okay? Great products, great prices, it's clean, it's odd. It's the people of Walmart, really. And I don't know what it is, but like when you walk into Walmart, people just lose all human decency and the things that are that are normal and accepted, just they just go out the window. And, and I'm, for instance, the, the people that park side by side in the aisle and just carry on a full-on conversation. While I'm trying to get past them, like, it's just so rude, I mean, and I know that there's not a lot of cashiers at Walmart anymore, it's all self-checkout and I get it. But if you don't know how to use the self-checkout, then don't, just go find the cashier. Cause man, I'm sitting there waiting in line and somebody's fumbling around and trying to scan stuff and put their card, it's, it's very, Walmart's a very frustrating place. I try to go there as little as possible, okay. Uh, pumping gas in the cold for some reason really trips my triggers. Uh, number one, it's already like $17 a gallon, so I'm already mad before I get to the pump, right? But I get to the pump and it's cold and I just want gas and I just feel like they complicate it so much. I mean, you put your card in and credit or debit, right? Put your PIN number in. I don't wanna put my PIN number in. I bypass the PIN. Well, what's your zip code? Like, why do you need to know my, my zip code? We go through all this. Do you want a receipt? Yes or no? No. Do you want a car wash? No. Why does, why does certain car pump? Uh, I don't wanna, call, I'm, I'm getting gas. I'm not at the and now there's like five or six nozzles on the newer pumps. And there's like all these buttons. I'm like, I'm like I just want gas, because inevitably I pick the wrong nozzle and then I have to hang it up and we have to go through the whole process again. But nothing, nothing makes me angry, quite like when I want to talk to a human being and all I can get is a robot on the telephone. Come on, somebody. Come nothing makes me. So honestly, Erica usually doesn't let me have most, a lot of those conversations. Uh, she usually handles some of those for me because she knows how it's going to end. It's going to end bad, right? And she's always like, Mark, you're a pastor. You can't say that. Like, they don't know me. I could be the president of the United States for all they know, I mean, they don't know me. I can say anything I want. A couple of years ago, we were moving to a different house here in town, and uh, we were trying to get our direct TV switched over. So I said, babe, you better take this one because you know this is how it's gonna end. And the uh, sweet, kind, caring, patient Erica. A few minutes into this conversation, I hear her raise her voice in the other room. Can I please talk to a person? <laughs> apparently they did let her talk to a person, but that person was apparently in like the Philippines. Because <laughs> a few minutes later, I hear her scream, does anyone speak English? <laughs> and we no longer have direct TV today, friends. <laughs> true story. I don't know if she canceled them or they canceled us. All I know is I don't have television. It's the, same, it's the same way in life. There's so many decisions, so many choices, so many different directions. How in the world are you supposed to know what to do? And how in the world are you supposed to know where to go? And I know sometimes in life you just want to scream like, is there nobody that I can talk to? And the incredible answer is yes. There is someone that you can talk to which is the second reason today why I just can't help falling in love with this man named Jesus because falling in love with Jesus, following Jesus is not a religion, friends. Following Jesus is a relationship. That, I, I, I just can't help falling in love with him because I can talk to him. And the amazing thing about a relationship is he can talk back to me. Did you know that you can know God in an intimate and in a personal kind of way? You can know God. He wants to have a relationship with you. That's really what this story is all about. Go all the way back to the beginning. He wanted a relationship with you. Think about this for a second. You were created by a relationship. Genesis chapter 1 says, let us make man in our image pictures of the trinity. You were created by a relationship for a relationship. He wants to know you. There's a whole lot going on in the Bible. We talked about that in Bible basics a few weeks ago. I mean, there's a whole lot going on in the Bible. But if you zoom all the way out and get past all the noise and the stuff that's confusing, the central theme of the Bible is not that complicated. God created you and loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. Sin came into the world and severed that relationship But God cared about you so much that he went to extraordinarily great lengths to rebuild that relationship. That's the story of the Bible. Listen to this. The Bible is not a rule book, friends. The Bible is a love letter. It is, and it is the greatest story that's ever been told. It's beautiful, it's amazing, it's irresistible to me. That's why I love talking about this incredible story. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. So if it really is about relationships, and I believe that it is, then I think there's three questions you need to ask yourself today. And these are questions that you should ask yourself going into any relationship with somebody, right? And the first question is this, are they interested? It's super difficult to have a, relation, a romantic relationship with somebody if the other partner's not interested, Right? And we remember these days. I, I remember being 14 or 15 years old and your hands are sweaty and you have feelings for them, but you don't know if they have feelings for you. And am I supposed to say hi? Are they supposed to say hi? I got their number from somebody. They don't know I have their number. Am I supposed to text them? Is that weird? At what point am I a stalker? Like, there's all these questions. I, I just can't imagine being almost 40 years old and having to relive some of those things today. Let me tell you, if something ever happens to Erica, this dude is staying single from here on out, man. Done. But there's always that moment where you have to confess your feelings, right? Hey, I really like you. And you hope that they say, hey, I really like you too. What took you so long? I've been waiting forever. Like, yeah. What you don't want to hear is, I really like you too, but let's just be friends. That's just a really nice, polite way of someone saying, I am not interested in you, right? I wouldn't know what that feels like. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Oh, I feel like we answered this question about Jesus last week. Is he interested in you? Um, Oh, he loved you before you ever loved him. Before you ever even knew him, he created you and he loved you first. And Jesus pursued you in a passionate, reckless kind of way. He cared that much about you. He left heaven, he came to earth, he gave his life. Jesus did all the work and then lavish this incredible love upon you, change your name, and there are no strings attached to this incredible love that God has for you and I. The first reason I can't help but fall in love, he loves us so much. Aren't you happy today, church, that we have a God who is interested in us, that did all the work, that made it so easy for us. So yeah, man, he, he is definitely interested. He didn't just give his life just to say that he did. He's interested in you. He's desperate for a relationship with you. The second thing you need to be asking yourself when going into any relationship is do we have anything in common? Are we gonna have anything to talk about? Does he get me? Does he understand me? Things that you need to be asking yourself before you get in a romantic uh, relationship. And to think about those terms in, in accordance with God seems bizarre. Like the creator of the universe holds the world in his hands, placed the stars in the sky. No, I don't really have a whole lot in common with that guy. That's our initial response, right? but I wanna show you something because I think he went to great lengths to identify with you, to have things in common with you, to make that relationship possible. If you look in 1 John chapter two, I believe it's verse 16. I wanna throw a little bit out at you. I'm gonna connect the dots, I'm gonna try. But watch this for just one second. For the world offers a craving for three things the world offers. A craving for physical pleasure, A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements is number three. Achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. You've probably heard this verse before. The NIV describes these things like this. The three things that we wrestle with are the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Honestly, these are your temptations in a nutshell. Everything that you struggle with, every sin that you've fallen into, every addiction and thing that you deal with pretty much falls into one of these three categories. These are the big three, the lust of the flesh, those earthly fleshly cravings and desires. I want that. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care about the consequence. There's something in you. I want that, that lustly desire to, to have something. Lust of the eyes is, is things that you see. And God obviously gave us eyes to see with. It's not the seeing, that's the problem. It's when you see those things and you want them and you covet them and you're willing to do anything that it takes to get those things, lust of the eyes. And pride of life is, is really not knowing who you are in Christ. Pride of life is when you put, put priority on your achievements your possessions, what you're able to accomplish in your own strength and in your own ability, separate from God, instead of just being saying like, man, I'm just a child of God, I don't have any pride in life, I know who I am. So those are the three things that we wrestle with, and most things that you struggle with are gonna fall into one of those three categories. Now, leave this slide up there for a second, but go home and read Matthew chapter four. Hey, I'm gonna shorten it for you, but go home and read it. This is where Jesus was baptized, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, a voice like thunder said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then scripture says that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be what? Tempted, three different temptations. Here's what I want to show you today. I don't think these are just random things that the enemy chose. These are three distinct temptations. I want to show you how they relate to us. The first temptation was this Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. Jesus wasn't just hungry, friends. Jesus was hangry. The difference is like you can be a little hungry, but when you're so hungry that you're angry, that's what hangry is, right? I usually experience this on my first day of my fast. Sometimes it takes like two hours. God, I'm so hungry. Why are you doing this to me? I just want to eat. Jesus was angry. And Satan comes and says, if you're the son of God, then just turn those stones into bread. I mean, just, Jesus had a decision to make in that moment. Obviously, eating is not bad, right? But I got to choose, am I going to follow my cravings, my fleshly desires and my fleshly wants, or am I going to be obedient to what God's asking me to do? Right? Jesus said, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In that moment, Jesus faced lust of the flesh. He chose God above his earthly desires and that hunger. The second temptation was Satan took Jesus to the top of the temple. And he says, if you're the Son of God, You say that you are, but if you are, then throw yourself off this temple because scripture says the devil's so sneaky, man. He knows scripture. That's why he's so good at twisting it up and confusing us with it. But scripture says he's given his angels charge concerning you. You can jump off this thing and you won't even strike your foot on a stone. Okay. Now listen, Jesus is going to go on to do plenty of things that seem impossible. This is the same Jesus that walked on water. That's fairly impossible, right? This is the same Jesus that spoke to the storm and it stopped. This is the same Jesus that ah, ascends into heaven at some point. I mean, he's doing all sorts of things that are impossible. So it's not the thing that's impossible that the enemy's trying to trick him man. What the enemy's trying to do is, Jesus, prove yourself, what you can do in your power, in your strength. That's why it's so important. Jesus said, I only do what my dad tells me to do. I only say what it is that my dad tells me to say. Listen, I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I don't need to to earn anybody's respect or approval. I'm a child of God. I don't need pride of life. I know who I am. I don't need anyone else's approval. In that moment, God, Jesus faced the pride of life and he overcame that temptation. The last temptation was Satan took Jesus to the highest peak, scripture says, where he could see all the kingdoms of the world. And up there, Satan says, You see all these kingdoms. Look at all this stuff. Lust of the eyes. Look at all this stuff that could be yours if you just bow down and worship me. Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. Scripture says, To worship God and serve Him. Only what I'm trying to show you in Matthew chapter four is that the big three temptation—the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life—the things that we fall into, that 99.9999% of our struggles are in, Jesus already faced those things. He did. That's why he's able to say in Hebrews chapter four, "Look at this." I'm going to prove it to you. Hebrews chapter four. This high priest of ours, who is Jesus, understands our weakness look at your neighbor and say, he understands me. Why does he understand me? Because he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Yes, God understands you. Yes, you have everything in common created in his image, facing every trial and temptation that he already faced. That's why he can say this. So, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Jesus already knows what you need because he's already been there. He's already experienced the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all those struggles, all those hurts and turmoils and rejections. He already experienced it. So yes, he understands you. Yes, you have something in common with him and you have to go boldly to the throne because he knows what you need. Not only did he provide the grace and the mercy necessary for you, but he's your advocate. First John chapter two says this, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. That's the goal, right? We get grace from God and mercy from God so we don't sin. But if anyone does sin, attention, everyone in the King's house this morning, I'm talking to you. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one, the one who is truly righteous. He faced all the pain, the temptations, the trials that you and I are ever going to face. And he did those things without sin. He gets it, friends. Don't lie to yourself and just that no one understands what I'm going through. No one's ever felt what it is I'm feeling, this hurt, this pain, this grief. Yes, he has. He, he's faced all of those things, and the grace and the mercy that you need is found in one place, the, the person who faced those things without sin, Jesus Christ. Yes, he's very interested in you, and yes, he gets you. He understands you in a profound kind of way. And the last question that you need to ask yourself going into any type of a relationship is this. Are they committed? It's one thing to be interested. It's one thing to have some things in common. Being committed to the long haul, especially in today's world, is something very, very, very different. I want to read you several verses out of what I think is probably the most beautiful chapter in the entire book of the Bible, Psalms 139. I think I can probably help you come to the same conclusion that I came to. Our Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. I can never escape from your spirit. Listen to this. This is incredible, man. Creator of the universe is talking to us this morning. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, guess what? He's there. If I go down to the grave, guess what? He's he's there too. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, every moment laid out before a single day had passed. Look at this next verse, man, this is the pinnacle. How precious are your thoughts about me? Who's me in this scripture this morning? How precious are your thoughts about me? Listen to this. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Friends, I, I, I can, I can say with confidence today that yes, he is interested in you. Yes, you have something in common with him. And yes, he is very much committed to you. These are things that we, we tell our kids when we're trying to express our love. I love you more than all the stars in the sky. I love you more than all the sand on all the beaches. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to you today. Friends, that's a lot of thoughts. So what that tells me is that every moment, every second of every day, you are on God's mind. He is constantly thinking about you, advocating for you, praying for you, encouraging you, trying to bless you, putting people in your path, steering you, guiding you. God is constantly thinking about you. He's committed to you. This is incredible. This is the greatest story ever told. This is why I can't help but fall in love with this man named Jesus. Verse five is is very important, and I I wanna dive into it just a little bit more. The version we just read says this. It says that you go before me and you follow me. The NIV version says that you hem me in in the front and in behind. But I wanna look at this this Passion Translation because it spells it out so beautifully. It says, you've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Now, that's, that's really great when you hear that. God goes before me and he follows me. He goes into my future, prepare the way. He, he's behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. But I, I wanna show you what that really looks like in real life, okay, I'm Jesus. And Junior's trying to follow after me. Man, I got a plan and a purpose for this dude's life. So come on, Junior, come on. I'm preparing a way for you. And this is what God does. Man, he he moves things out of the way. He takes you here, he takes you there. Junior, watch your step right there. If you just follow him, it's beautiful. He goes before us, he prepares the way. But he also goes behind us, he follows us. Now watch, God doesn't just meander along behind us man, it's a great day today, isn't it, Junior? Pretty sunny, about 70, That's, that's not what he does, okay? When God follows behind us to protect us from the harm of our past, he's not just out taking a walk, he's walking like, Man, he's, he's watching, he's looking, he's protecting because some of the sins from your past, some of the addictions from your past, some of the hurts, some of the failures, the guilt, the shame, man, they have a way of trying to come back and attack you, don't they, King South? Those hurts, those habits, those hang up, but God is watching and he is protecting. He is in front of you leading the way and he is behind you, keeping the past from coming back. As long as you keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep moving forward, man, Jesus can take care of the rest, King South. I'm telling you. You. He is a great God. But I, want to show you, I want to show you something else of how God goes into our future and prepares the way for us. And I, I just ask you just to just open up your hearts for these next few minutes, because I believe this could really impact somebody in just such a profound way. I know this revelation has completely changed my life for the better. So once upon a time, two little boys, <clears throat> it was spring break just like it is now. And the little boy called one of his friends and said, hey, why don't you come over for a few days? And it was beautiful outside. So they got the baseball gloves out. And man, they're outside and they're just playing catch. And life is grand and it's good weather. And they're laughing and they're having a good time. And and everything is fine and dandy. And they're just like little boys do sometimes. They get a little carried away. Am I right? I got a 10-year-old little fast snake I'm raising. He gets carried away a lot. The little boy says, baby, you better get ready because I'm bringing the high stinky cheese. I'm about to bring a fastball. I hope you're ready to catch it. And he rears back and he throws that ball. Oh. <laughs> wow. nice. And in that moment, he just thought like, what have I done? He threw the high stinky cheese right through the neighbor's window. I don't have money to pay for the window. And my dad is going to be furious. So instantly the little boy runs to his room. He's got a piggy bank. And he breaks that piggy bank open. Man, there's a few dollars in it. Dad, gum it. That's not enough. He gathers up all of his toys. I'll sell them. That's what I'll do. I'll sell them. He invites some of his friends over. A dollar for this, a dollar for this. 50 cents, sells his toys. Still not enough, but I got myself into this mess and I gotta work and I gotta figure out a way to get out of it. So man, he, he's doing odd and end jobs around the neighborhood and, and he's, he's walking up and down the bar ditches and he's picking up cans and he's selling. I mean, he does all that he can do and he finally just comes to this realization like, I'm never gonna have enough money to pay for the window. I, I just can't do it, I'm a little kid. I've, I've done everything that I can do. So it's time for me to do the, the inevitable, which is just go talk to the homeowner And confess and just receive the consequences. So with as just as much fear and dread as you could possibly imagine, the little boy goes to the neighbor's house. He puts his little hand up and knocks on the neighbor's door. The neighbor answers and the little boy says, Sir, the person who broke your window, that was me and I have worked and I've I've, I've done everything that I can and I know it's not enough but here's all the money that I have this is all I can do he gives the homeowner the money and the homeowner just looks at him he's so perplexed and confused and the homeowner says son your dad came by weeks ago this window was paid for a long time ago What, what are you doing here today son and Galatians chapter 2 says this If righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Listen, the law, the rules, the regulations were never able to make us righteous. That was never the goal of those things. It was never a solution to the sin that you face in your life. The law was never supposed to accomplish that. All the law could accomplish was show you, hey man, you can't live up. You don't measure up. You're a sinner. You need a savior. That's all all the rules and regulations were ever supposed to accomplish. Listen, God knows you. And he understands you. And he knows just how weak you are and how incapable you are of living a righteous life. So he went ahead of you. He made a way, he prepared a way. And long before you ever committed one sin, those sins were already paid for, friends. This is a difference between religion and relationship. Relationship says, you little jerk. What did you do? Look at this mess that you've made. How are you ever gonna pay this off? Get busy working, man. Start earning and striving and try to figure it out. Relationship comes along and says, ah, daddy. I already paid for that. I knew you were gonna break it. I knew you couldn't afford it. So I paid for that long before the window was ever broken, friends. That's what relationship is. I need you to understand today, you can know God, you can talk to God. He can talk to you. You don't have to wonder about what direction am I gonna go, what decision am I gonna make? What am I gonna do with my life? What am I gonna do when I grow up? 40, 50 year old men asking themselves this question. You don't have to wonder. You can have a relationship with him. You can know him. God is not sitting up in heaven angry, just waiting for you to screw up so he can smack you a real good. That's not what he's doing. He already knows you're gonna screw up. Every day of your life was written in his book before you lived one single moment of those days, friends. He knew you were gonna screw up 796 times, so he gave you enough grace for 797. Before you ever had a problem, he had a solution for you. He did. Oh, wonderful, Mark, it's just a license to sin, it's already paid for, go do whatever I want, no. Not at all. When you understand the love that Jesus has for you, you don't wanna go sin. How can I live my life holy and blameless and pleasing? I wanna do everything. I've never experienced a love like this. I've never had a relationship like this. I wanna give Him my all. But you quickly realize you can't do it on your own no matter how much you strive or how hard you work, you can't not sin. You can't get past your struggles. You can't get past your addictions. You can't, but that's why he went before us and prepared a way. Yes, that's why we can go to his throne and receive grace and mercy. He knows what you need before you ever realize what you need. Pastor Mark, is God really that good? that kind and that compassionate and that caring and that forgiving and that loving and that, is He really all those things? I mean, it sounds great, but honestly, friends, the answer is no, He's not. He's all those things and He is so much more. However much you think God loves you, however good you think He is, however kind you think He is, go ahead and times that by about infinity, friends, and that's the God who who loves you today. And that's the God who wants to have a relationship with you today. And this is why I just can't help but fall in love with Jesus today. I don't know whatever gospel you've heard preached before or whatever Jesus you've heard preached before. I'm telling you there's a God in heaven today that loves you beyond anything you could ever imagine. And more than anything, he wants a relationship with you. Well, I'm a mess. Right, you are. My life is a wreck, correct. He knows that and he still wants you. Anybody in this this room ever been just filthy, dirty, covered in sweat and dirt and grime and oil and like, dadgum, what am I gonna do? I gotta somehow get myself cleaned up before I get in the shower. No, (laughs) that's what the shower's for, dummy. (laughs) Right? somehow we think we got to get ourselves cleaned up somehow before we go to God. That's what God's for. You can't get cleaned up before you go to God. That's what God's job is. No one takes a bath just to hop in the shower. That's silly. Just the way you are today. Broken and confused and addicted and messed up and betrayed and hurt. However you are today, that's exactly how Jesus wants you. The story hasn't changed. He wants a relationship with you. And if you'll give him your life just the way that it is, I promise there's not one single life that's so broken that he can't put back together and turn it into something beautiful, I promise you. There's nothing that the cross can't fix and heal and restore. His love is enough for each and every person in this room this morning. Would you bow your heads all across this place? If you're here today and say, Pastor Mark, I would really love to meet this Jesus that you're talking about. I've heard about a lot of Jesuses, but I never heard about one like this. Pastor Mark, I am broken. Pastor Mark, I need some help. Pastor Mark, I, I need something. And I, I'm ready today to say yes to Jesus. I need him to be my savior. If that's you today with nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, just right now, right where you're sitting, just raise your hand right now. I wanna say yes to Jesus. I see that hand and that hand. Somebody else, yes, I see that hand and that hand. I wanna say yes to Jesus this morning. I wanna meet this savior. I wanna have a relationship with him. Thank you so much. You can put all those hands down. Would you just grab the hand of the person next to you this morning, church? If this is your first time, please don't think it's like some magic prayer. I believe that you asked Jesus in your heart the second you raised that hand and said yes. But Jesus, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So repeat this prayer with me, if you would, King's House. Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart today. I need you to be my savior. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead and I believe you're the only way to heaven. I'm saying, yes, Jesus. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. I want to start a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Hey, give God some praise, King's House. Four people just gave their hearts to Jesus this morning. It's so beautiful. I shared something in the first service and I just wanna briefly share something. I didn't intend on saying this in the first service. I'm gonna say it to you too. Uh, I had been in Bible school for about three years and I realized that the God I had was learning about something very wrong with him. The guy learned about some of the things I was being taught and some of the things I was reading in scripture were two very different things. And what I was learning about and being taught was becoming very detrimental to me and I don't know how else to describe it, I was just dying on the inside and every bit of joy and life and love was just being sucked out of me. I I know I had to do something. So after being in Bible school of all places for three years, I dropped out. Yeah, Bible school dropout right here. I know that probably doesn't surprise anybody in this room. (laughs) I went back and finished. It just took me about 10 years, okay? And just like on Tommy Boy, lots of people go to college for 10 years. They're called doctors, but anyways. But I realized some of the things that I, I thought were true and real about God were not at all. And it was keeping me from experiencing a very real and loving and relational God. It was What I was taught in church was actually hurting me, if that makes sense. And I know sometimes we, we, we hear sermons like this where this is too good to be true, this is too good to believe, right? And there's a part of you that is resisting it and just, I like what I'm hearing but it just, just can't, It it can be, it is too good to be true, It, it is. So for a year, I got my Bible and I got the Holy Spirit and I just said, Holy Spirit, would you just please just brainwash me? Anything that's not beneficial, anything that's not helpful, anything that's keeping me from knowing the real God, would you just wash that out and reveal to me in scripture who the real Jesus is? And I just wanna encourage somebody in this room this morning needs to hear that advice. That was the most beneficial year of my life as far as my relationship with God. There were days where I was so mad. How could I believe, it's not in the word. Why did I believe that? It, It made me make this decision and this decision and it's not even true. There were days that I cried, there were days, I mean, I'm not claiming that I got it all figured out. You know that. What I am claiming is that God really does want a real relationship with you. And if you give him the opportunity and you come to him in an open heart, and we have this incredible manual, this incredible blueprint and guidebook called the Word of God, I would just encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who is Jesus? What did Jesus do? What did he say? What is his real nature and character? Listen, I'm a preacher, so I'm allowed to say this. I don't care what preachers have told you. If it's different than what that book says, you need to get that on out, (laughs) clear that out ASAP. All right, so I I just wanna encourage you, you can know him and you can have a relationship with him. And if you allow the Holy Spirit, he can get a whole bunch of religious, legalistic junk out of you where you truly can have life and life more abundantly because that's what God has for each and every one of you. Amen. I love you, King's House. Home groups this Wednesday night, seven o'clock. God
0: bless you. Have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are in need of prayer or wish to speak to one of our pastors, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you'd like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church slash giving, or by texting any dollar amount to the number 84321 and respond to the prompts sent back to you. If you're ever in our area and want to come visit us, we meet every week at 124 V. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit with us ahead of time where you can reserve your seats and parking spots and even pre-check in your kids before you arrive on the Sunday of your choosing. Just fill out that quick form at plan slash planyourvisit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. We look forward to seeing you very soon.